When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. With your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and Chris Schubert. Behind the producer mic, of which we are definitely going to make fun of throughout the entirety of the show because that's how we kick things off uh jake you're wearing a champion's hat so i'm obligated to ask you how you are feeling still basking in the glory of a super bowl win well we talked last week it still hasn't hit me right until i saw i'm sitting there and my cousin texted me the other night there's a 45 minute video where they took all the guys that were mic'd and they put the, the audio with the video and i watched that 45 minutes and then I was like through the roof. Now I'm like, holy crap, we won the Super Bowl. It's a big deal. NFL Films is doing their thing. Now it's starting to kick in. So I've had like, you know, 45 pieces of we won the world championship gear that haven't come off yet. That's been a part of the everyday attire since the, uh, since the championship. And I think it's going to continue maybe till April. Uh, I don't blame you. I wouldn't stop at April. I would continue on right on into when we kick off for a new football season. Because until that kicks off, nobody can say anything. Uh, to you about Ain't nobody telling Bowl. me shit all the way through next season anyway so it's fine <laughs> I don't know that I need to be wearing the gear but it's uh, uh it's finally starting to hit me and it's damn exciting let's be honest nobody's gonna tell you shit at any no. point in time if we're being honest now Not that anymore. this has happened yeah that is for certain all right uh Jamie how's 17 inches of snow feeling in Chicago please break it down Great. for us uh it's not great it has warmed up today to a just a toasty 12 degrees so it, that is nice. Uh, it, it literally has not been above freezing in weeks. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a little is, different than Phoenix. Yeah, this is the time of the year where there's about three places in the country that have good weather, and Arizona, Scottsdale is one of those places. So I'm going to continue to remind Jamie to give us his Vanna White uh, you know, updates where he tells us about how, how everything's going and, and how the weather is just so I can rub it in his face that it's not like that here in Arizona. Uh, all right, what we are doing today on the podcast, if you have not checked out Jamie's way too early 2021 fantasy football mock draft, you're going to want to go to the fantasy tab on the draft network and check that out. But what we're doing today is we're going through rounds five through seven, and we picked out some different topics, right? We're not going to go pick by pick. We're going to talk about specific things within this. And, and one of those big things is, is the first kind of topic I want to hit here with you, Jamie, and that is what to do with Will Fuller, right? And that's because there is a lot up in the air, right? Potentially no Deshaun Watson, right? So maybe a new quarterback, 
maybe a suspension, maybe the franchise tag. There's a lot to break down here, right? So you have him slated at five, five, two coming off the second pick in the fifth round. How did you land on this and kind of tell us the barometer that you had to kind of weigh, because there's a lot of, of variables here with Will Fuller. Yeah, a ton of moving parts. He's going to be suspended for the first game of next season to finish out that PED suspension that ended his season early this year. It seems like, according to reports in, outside of Houston, that they are planning to use the franchise tag on him. We will know they can officially do that later this month, uh, and we'll see if that's something they choose to do. Then, obviously, the biggest topic the entire offseason has been the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Will the Texans trade him? Will they not? Where does he go? So you're facing a possibility of, you know, you're already going to miss one game. He's not going to be available for you for week one. You don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Could it be Tua Tagovailoa? Could it be Sam Darnold? Could it be a free agent? Could it, I mean, we have no idea who it could be. Could it be none of the above? Does Deshaun Watson trade not happen? And he says, I'm not coming in until you trade me. And then at that point, you're looking at backup quarterback situations there in Houston. So there's a lot up in the air. I ended up putting him here. This has ended up being number 50 overall. But he had a really, really strong season last year that I don't want people to forget because he missed the back part because of the suspension. We had a lot of questions coming into the year. What would he look like without DeAndre Hopkins? Could he stay healthy for a full season? Has that been a problem? Can he be more than just a field-stretching threat? He was an all-around receiver for Deshaun Watson in those 11 games last year. And from a fantasy perspective, you know, his 17.2 points per game average, that was better than Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen. Like, he was producing wide receiver one numbers in the fantasy space. And if you look at those 11 games, consistency is what matters. Eight games of 14 or more fantasy points, four of those of 21 or more. I mean, he's everything you wanted in a receiver, but there's just so many questions out there so far going into it. You still have to factor in the one-game missed minimum for the suspension. And then how much do you want to weigh the injury factor? It was an issue for him last year, but could it have been if he played 16 games instead of 11? He does have the extended injury history before. Who's throwing him the ball? Like, it feels like number 50 here is too low for him, but I can't really put him any higher until we get some answers to those questions, which we'll hopefully have by the time most people start doing their fantasy drafts for 2021. And those are some big questions, right? Like we're not, we're not talking about small variables. We're talking about massive variables. Most importantly, Deshaun Watson. Because if Deshaun Watson is no longer the quarterback, what's the option here? Is it Tua, right? If they do that trade with, with Miami, um, is it a, a rookie that they potentially pick at the third overall spot? Is it something else? Is, is there another guy that's going to be in that spot? So I can't imagine that, unless we know that Deshaun Watson is going to be there for certain, you're going to have to kind of play this game with him. Jake, your thoughts on kind of where Jamie slated him out. I love where Jamie slated him. I think I'd have to take him off the board at this point. The injury history still scares the crap out of me. I don't know who's playing quarterback there. The offensive line's still not very good. I think they have to franchise him, right? Like the franchise tag is going to be less next year than it was this year, whether it goes down to 175 or 180 overall. Receivers is one of the best places. I think that's why a lot of these receivers that are going to be free agents, they're going to get franchised. It's going to be under 17 million for some of these guys. That's a bargain for Chris Godwin, uh, Allen Robinson. Some of these guys are not going to Galladay. They're not going to be playing. That, that's a bargain for those guys. Now for him, it's still pricey, but it buys you a year to figure out what the hell is going on with your franchise. There's so many things other than the players in this organization. Now you have front office guys stepping down that have been the COO running things for a while. You still got personnel stuff up in the air. It gives Cesario 
And this coaching staff, like, what, what, what the hell do we do? But we're not going to get rid of our best player if he's healthy on that offense. And fantasy-wise, if he plays, regardless of who the quarterback is, he's still boomer bust, right? The, the thing, Jamie, I, that I loved this year was there was consistency. He became Batman. He became an all-around receiver. But he's always going to be that deep threat. So even if you've got a backup bum quarterback, he's still going to be able to hit him deep occasionally. But the offensive line is still not very good. The running game is still non-existent. He's got to be everything, and he's still not going to be Hopkins or like Hopkins was when he was there, right? So I, I like where Jamie has him. I couldn't have him any higher than that. I'd probably have to just red flag him and take him off my board at this point and live with somebody else regardless. But I like where Jamie's got him. Yeah, I imagine that we will have answers to those questions, but I also know that that's not guaranteed right? We could go into this season very well with a Deshaun Watson, I'm going to sit out type of scenario. And he forces Houston into making a decision later on. Um, I do think that would be a huge mistake from Houston's perspective. Uh, if they get through the draft and don't get something out of this for, for Deshaun Watson, it's going to be a massive, massive issue for them. Cause it doesn't seem repairable, right? I, I just don't, I don't think it's repairable at this point, but that obviously things can change. Go ahead, James. Well, that's where things get interesting because if a trade is not completed by the night of April 29th, the potential timeline for something to get done goes completely out of whack. Like if the first round of the draft comes and goes, and more importantly, the third pick of the first round of the draft comes and goes and Deshaun Watson is not traded yet, who knows? I think at that point, if you're in that scenario, you are going to be looking through May, June, July, August, September of will he report, won't he report, will they trade him, when's the right time? Like if this deal doesn't get done by draft night, then the idea of what the window looks like for a potential Watson trade is completely up in the air, which would be fantasy chaos for everybody involved on that team and Watson the, himself. The other thing is, do they get anything back for him? they probably could have got a late two, three for him this year while he was still under contract. Can you franchise him, get through the off season and maybe trade him and get something back if for, even if it's past this draft for a future draft, they're not any good. They got to rebuild this entire thing. Yeah. They think about it from a baseball point of view. Those guys get traded all the time in the last year of a deal. So if somebody could pick up the money, you get rid of the money, whatever it is, is he happy? And is he going to be happy if Deshaun Watson's not there? Is he going to say, hell no, I'm not re-signing here. I don't care if you franchise me. I'll play one more year and I'm gone. Can you get something back? Mm -hmm. Even if you get a three or a four, you're getting some, some capital in the future that you can do something with. You're already limited on your picks. Uh, that's part of this new regime, too. Are they reaching out to him? Are they, have they talked to his agent? Where is his camp on this whole thing? And if Deshaun's gone, depending on who the quarterback is, does he say, hell no? <laughs> He's been there I'm, his whole career too, right? He knows how bad this organization is, how dysfunctional this is. He's an African-American player playing in this organization that apparently has all kinds of freaking issues when it comes to that. He's probably not very happy with it either. So like, where's his camp? And can you get something back if you move him? Like, there's just so many questions when it comes to him. I don't know where the hell you put him in a fantasy draft. Trade I'm going to, Miami. I was going to say, I'm going to venture to say that he's not going to be very happy if Deshaun Watson gets traded. Right. I, I'm going to venture to say that Will Fuller's probably not. I don't think that's a, a bold take from me that, that I don't, I don't think that that's going to be a very happy wide receiver when you're talking about trading away Deshaun Watson and a lot of the issues that Watson has with the organization. I'm going to envision a lot of other players have with the organization. Uh, I can't, I can't imagine that those issues are not underlying for many of the players, but it's different when the quarterback starts to voice them uh, can usually force a little bit more change 
quickly, which is very, very obviously not happening in Houston. They're still not listening, and it will be an interesting one for us to monitor. All right, biggest surprise, right? So biggest surprise coming out of this. Uh, Jake, I'll let you go first. You said you had two, so I'll let you go one, and then I'll give mine, and then you can give your second. So biggest surprise of Jamie's fifth through seventh round that stood out to you. Not really a surprise, but I love where my two are slotted because you know I'm all about value when it comes to this stuff. CeeDee Lamb's the first one that just popped off the screen at me at the fifth pick of the fifth round. And I, I understand we don't know about Dak, whatever, but if it's Andy Dalton, I feel pretty damn good. Now, CeeDee Lamb dropped for a while when Dak got hurt until Andy Dalton really kind of acclimated to what was going on. But he picked it up again at the end of the season. and was kind of rolling there late because a lot of people dropped him, picked, tried to pick him back up. Other people got a steal because people dumped him when, when Dak got hurt. I love the value there at the fifth pick of the fifth round. I mean, that offense is going to be good. I think they're going to fix a lot of that offensive line. I don't really care who the quarterback is. He's playing the slot. He's as dynamic as anybody in the league playing the slot. I loved him there. I thought the value was awesome. Jamie, the, the one that stuck out to me, and I'd say value also, so then you can kind of react to both of them, is, yeah. is Antonio Brown, right, as at the end of the sixth round here. And obviously I think there's an assumption that he stays in Tampa and, and you, I think that's not even an assumption. I think we can pretty much chalk that at this point with his relationship with Tom Brady and uh, the love affair that they have on Instagram together. Um, I, I think at this point, if you, you saw a B play more of a part as the season went along, you also saw him get, in football shape, which is what we told you all along. Like he came in and it was halfway through the season and he's not in football shape. He's going to have one of the things that you cannot knock about Antonio Brown is he works hard. He is a hard worker. He's a hard practicer. And he's going to have the ability to now take this entire off season where he's potentially living with Tom the whole time to work out and get in shape and get himself to that point. Cause one thing that stuck out to me is, and I know everybody will remember this. He stutter stepped the shit out of my boy, Tyron Matthew in the end zone. It was a all time footwork performance by AB. And if he gets his feet to that point again, he, he is, he has a ton of upside, right? You look at him and you go, wow, you get him at the end of the sixth round. He ends up playing a big part for this team. That, that can be a, a huge win for you in fantasy football. Uh, absolutely. And, and look, the, there's, there's tremendous upside and there's tremendous downside here. I mean, that is just the state of what Antonio Brown is at this point in his career and some of the things that are not football related that he's been involved in. Uh, but it, it, to me, I kind of had him here because as you see, wide receiver is was deep as ever last year in fantasy. And it's going to be a lot of the same this year because you're going to take everybody from last year add some sophomores getting their quarterbacks back, taking a step forward, and you're adding in another strong wide receiver class coming in. But to me, it's this is all predicated on him coming back to Tampa Bay. I think if he goes anywhere else, he's going to be on that red flag or don't trust list. I, I think if he's not going to be with Tom Brady, he's not going to be with that group to kind of cut out the noise of the other things that have happened in his life, particularly post-Steelers era, then I don't want any part of it. I think the downside would be too high. But here, I, I love him here. Like, I, I think if, if he ends up re-signing when I end up doing like a bold, my like fantasy bold predictions for the season article that comes up, I think one of them might be Antonio Brown leads the Bucks in targets. Like, I, I really think that might be something that, that I come in with. I guess a bold take. I'm not saying that's what I'm predicting. I'm saying it's like a bold going into the season. Uh, I really like the way that he 
integrated into that offense, particularly in the second half, particularly post bye week when everything really started clicking. Uh, he was he was leaned on fairly heavily in the Super Bowl as well. Look, he's we know what his upside can be. Like we know he's not going to be the wide receiver one again in fantasy. That's not happening. But we know his upside can be pretty solid wide receiver two if he gives you that sort of production. Uh, and he gave you that this year, barely. Like he got wide receiver 24 and average fantasy points per game. Hadn't played in a long time, joins midseason, all of that stuff. And he would still be able to give you wide receiver two value on a per game basis. I don't see any reason why he couldn't do that again in Tampa next year. Paige, I'll tell you why I love that one. Because in your fantasy draft, when you're getting him here, he's just like he is on this team. He's the ultimate insurance policy. If, if Chris Godwin or Mike Evans go down for sustained period of time or just a little bit he plays all three positions scotty miller's still a thing and they love tyler johnson who's coming on big time all those guys are going to play but if there's any injuries anywhere ab fits right into that slot as the like the instant starter if mike goes down i don't know that you're losing a ton of production so like on your team <laughs> on your fantasy draft i think he's the ultimate insurance policy just like he is for the bucks for sure and i and i love and i love scotty miller and i think tyler johnson as you said is going to be a thing but if AB stays with Tom <laughs> and they're working out and they're throwing to each other in the offseason. I get season, all that, but he has lost a step. That's for what sure. Scott, Scotty's not just a flash in the pan. Scotty's a thing. No, no, no. And Tom loves Scotty too. Of course. Uh, that's the big thing because of what you're saying. The quickness started coming back. He's lost the go step. I mean, he's still got deep some. He still can go. But it's the well-roundedness that he plays all three positions. He knows all three positions on offense that makes him so dangerous. Yeah, it's, I, I think Scotty plays it, it almost, they, they let Scotty be that guy, right? Be, be, be that dude, but you watch AB become kind of a, a target junkie, for lack of a better phrase, because I think all of a sudden he starts to be um, the guy that Tom goes to in, in, those, in those shorter routes, and he, because of that quickness, because to your, we saw yeah, to your point a little with the bit of that. It was like that extension of the run game. Mm-hmm. When Tom comes up and you're playing 12 yards off, if they're playing like, a, you know, cover two or they got something deep, and tied to run play, and Tom just throws it out to A.B. is when the quickness came back was the seven or eight yards after the catch or the 20 yards after the catch on the oh, one-yard yeah. throw. That's the stuff that, that really – because he's that guy. Mike's not that guy. Chris is great right after the catch, but it's physical stuff. It's to make that one guy miss at the line of scrimmage and get, you know, seven, eight yards or 20. That's what really started coming back that got me excited. That's where, that's where Jamie's talking about being the target junkie. The PPR league, that's where you're looking at seven, yeah, eight, nine targets where six of yeah. them are a bubble screen, but they go for 70 yards. Yeah, and look, including the postseason, he averaged almost seven targets a game. And again, just coming in midseason, I mean, all, on all of that. So, I mean, and again, on a team, again, still had Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin both healthy at that point, from our relative, at least playing relatively healthy yeah. uh, for that most part. So, it, it's something to monitor because I think he and C.D. Lamb, to an extent, are names that, despite the fact that they're big names in just the NFL community as a whole, they might kind of get lost in the wide receiver shuffle here. Uh, and obviously, if that comes back, Lamb is going to be phenomenal. Uh, you, you saw what, even in those, that first month of the season, how much that Dak was leaning on CeeDee Lamb there. Uh, I think Michael Gallup is a, is a prime trade candidate. I know he's not – well, the quarterbacks out there, we haven't talked about some of the other names, but he's a prime candidate to get moved going into – you know, he's got one more year left on his deal after this one. Probably not going to be a player that Dallas wants to sign with Cooper and Lamb already under contract. So, uh, I'm, it's interesting to me. I think both those names are ones that don't forget about because there's going to be this glut of really strong wide receiver twos and guessing right on them could be the difference in whether or not you're a playoff team or not. Jake, who was the other surprise uh, candidate that you had listed um, in the mock five through seven? 
So it's another value guy. And the more that I sit here talking about AB as an insurance policy, this is another dude that's that, but with a massive upside. And Raheem Mostert is the last pick of the sixth round, 6'12". This dude has been so good for me for the last few years. And it's a value thing. You don't want to take him in the fourth like I did this year, but I thought he'd have a monster year. Jeff Wilson was really, really good this year. And they're very similar guys. Wilson's a little bit bigger. But when you have a guy that's that much of a home run hitter, He's going to have a couple 200-yard games if he's healthy. His entire thing is health, right? I think his team bounces back big time. I still think they're in the quarterback market, whether they say they are or not. But if they're not, Kyle still wants to run the ball. And if he's in a split backfield, he's getting 12, 13 carries. And I love the little dump screen pass that he takes to the house all the time from just outside the red zone. That 25, 30 yards, whether it's a draw or that little dump screen pass that he takes to the house all the time, I just love him there. Like, he can be your – RB2, he can be a great flex for you all year. If you're getting the last pick of the sixth round, I don't know who you're getting with that much upside. Well, that leads perfectly into, I think, one of our next points, Paige, because the hardest player for me to slot, which was going to be the next category, was Raheem Mostert. Because <laughs> you look at that upside, you look at what he was able to do in that playoff, the real-life playoff run last year for the 49ers, particularly in the NFC Championship game. And he's just, one, he missed half the season. He missed eight games. You know there's going to be some sort of a split in the backfield. And it was kind of, it was a kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde last year. Like his first three games, he averaged almost 20 fantasy points per game. Missed a couple games in the middle. I had like started two games, missed a couple games, played two more games. Then by the time he came back after missing multiple weeks, his last five, only averaged about 8.2 points per game and then got another injury and missed the rest of the, the end of the season. So it's going to take, as I said in the article here that you can read at thedraftnetwork.com, it's going to take a lot of faith and it's going to take a lot of patience with him. But the upside is he could basically single-handedly win you two or three fantasy matchups a year. Like if, if, and that's to Jake's point about those 200-yard games, the multi-touchdown games. You have the opportunity where if you hit right, if you have him in your lineup as a flex play, probably you'd feel more comfortable than RB2, he could literally just win you your matchup. He can have a 40, 50-point week and just – blow things away for you, but you have to know you're not going to get 16 games. I know we did it two years ago with a more limited role, but then they used to more in the postseason, and we saw what that some of that workload came into effect last year. Can't expect he's going to play all season, but he's got a lot of upside, but that's why I couldn't figure out where to put him because on a given week, you know, you want to put him up there with those other RB2s because you feel like there's going to be plenty of weeks where he is ranked among those guys, but I often know that like, I feel like those guys are going to be a little bit healthier. And I feel like those guys are going to be more consistent. They might not have as many 22, 23, 24 point weeks, but they're not going to have as many five, six, seven point weeks that we saw from Reem Mostert at the end of the season. This is why yeah, I love right. having him on my team. Sorry, Paige, we cut you off. At this value, he's a guy I want there. Whether I have to play him that week or not, depending on the matchup and if he's healthy, He's just a dude you love having stashed at last pick of the sixth round. I just don't know anybody else at that point in the draft. I got excited seeing him there because I was like, I don't know who else has this much upside on any given week throughout the season, depending on how the matchup goes. Plus, LOL to Kyle Shanahan telling me that they're not in the quarterback market when Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Matthew Stafford are the quarterbacks starting in their division. Like, respectfully – you're in the quarterback market. Jimmy G ain't cutting it. So that's, it's, you're it's also cute. the second oldest team in the league with a window that's shrinking. If you get yep. some of these guys back, you have still have a chance. If they get healthy, they got a chance to make a run like anybody else, but you got to have better than average quarterback play. And that's all Jimmy's ever going to give him. His record is great. I get that when he starts games, they win, but he was also starting games with that damn defense when it was at an elite level and healthy. I don't know that that's going to cut it in that division, much less in the NFC. 
the NFC is loaded still. Everybody laughed at me when I said San Francisco is going to look like the Bears, but nobody's laughing now because Mitchell Trubisky had the same thing in a 12-4 and season that I saw from Jimmy Garoppolo and watched Chicago trade for Jimmy G, and you will hear me screaming from across the entire United States. Uh, Mitch had a lot more – Mitch had more dynamic Mitch, plays than Jimmy G ever did that year either. I still think Sam Darnold's the guy to end up in San Francisco. I think it just makes a ton of sense the way he moves, throws on the run, fits Kyle exactly. And they're not going to have to give up that much, depending on if Deshaun Watson ends up in Miami, the Jets can still move that pick or, or move, you know, move For Sam Darnold. And, and, yeah, and you've seen Lynch get really aggressive. I still think they're in the market. I think they're just trying to downplay it. It's that time of year where you can't believe anything anybody says when they're talking about the draft free agency, the offseason, especially this year when we have no idea what the offseason is even going to look like. For sure. And I especially do not believe John Lynch because I've seen how aggressive he's been in the past. Yeah. He's fantastic. He's, he's good. I'm like, dude, that's, that's nice that you said that, but I do not believe you a lot of because of what is going on in their division. All right. Let's talk about quarterbacks, right? So how the quarterbacks slot in here, um, Jamie defend Lamar. This is, I'm just going to, I'm just going to get right to the point here. Defend Lamar Jackson as QB two over my boy, Josh Allen defend this to me. I need to hear it because Lamar Jackson, as you said in here, he was quarterback eight and I love Lamar, but I, I got to hear why you think that, that you're at this point in time, you're feeling more comfortable with Lamar over Josh Allen. It's a razor thin margin, as I mentioned before, but to me, it's like from week six on Jackson was QB three. Uh, and like in the final four weeks of the four or five weeks of the year, he was QB two again. So we started to see a lot of the Lamar Jackson that you saw last year. He's, the rushing floor is going to be high. It always is. I can't imagine they go another off season without adding a, an actual weapon to that roster uh, that can help them help. Like I, I like Hollywood Brown. He's a complimentary piece. Like he, he doesn't do enough as a wide receiver right now to be the go-to guy. Um, Mark Andrews is, is a fine receiving tight end, but they completely changed the way that offense operated last year when they traded Hayden Hurst and changed all their personnel. I do think they're going to bring in somebody that is going to be a major factor for them, whether it's at the, whether it's another tight end or more like a flex tight end that they're going to use out in the slot, whether it's one of these other wide receivers. I know everybody's obsessed with like the Jalen Waddles and the Jamar Chases and Devonta Smith of the world, you know, for Rashad Bateman, Rondale Moore, a Terrace Marshall, uh, I mean, or even in the middle rounds, I think I like Amari Rogers could be a player that could give them immediate production right away. I think they're going to bring in somebody there to be that, okay, Lamar needs, who is, who is option one for Lamar Jackson? Cause I don't think Hollywood Brown needs to be that Hollywood Brown could be the, put this example. Let's go back a few years ago, not to what it was this year. He can be the Will Fuller to the DeAndre Hopkins. He could be the player that you need a huge play down the field, or if there's a broken play, who's going to get you that 70 yard gainer. That's what Hollywood Brown can be right now. Until he progresses more as a receiver, I don't see him being more than that. And Lamar needs somebody quick. Lamar needs somebody that can win off the line of scrimmage right away. Give him, even if it's just possession type production, he needs somebody to go to because he doesn't really have that unless he's in the red zone and it's Mark Andrews. So I do think they're going to bring in somebody in that category. I do think they're going to get their running backs a little bit more involved in the passing game this year because of J.K. Dobbins. I would love to see him get more involved there. So putting those pieces together, I think he's going to come back up from that really slow start that really, you again, you can't take it out. All those games count. But if you take out the first month of the season, you were, going to, you were getting the Lamar Jackson that you were paying for in drafts for the most part. People were getting nuts in terms of ADP, but in terms of where he ranked among quarterbacks. I think he's going to be a top three quarterback again. I, I think Josh Allen will be as well. But to me, it's, it's a razor thin margin. I want to see Josh Allen do it again. 
Uh, and for Lamar, I think this last season was probably worst case scenario for him. I got, and just in terms of, aside from suffering an injury, I think this was worst case scenario in terms of weapons, in terms of the way they use the personnel around him. I think it's going to be, a, I think he'll be in a better, more advantageous situation to succeed from a fantasy perspective next year. And again, getting that other option will be huge because there is not, there is no safety net for Lamar Jackson on the field on either the 2019, it didn't matter or 2020 Baltimore Ravens. There was no safety net reliable option for him. Uh, I think that's going to change next year. And that alone will be enough to kind of boost his value back to what you saw in basically the second two thirds of the season. I wasn't on board until you kept talking. And then you had me at this is worst case scenario for Lamar Jackson. This, and it was. This wasn't all Lamar. This is on the freaking Ravens, who we never, ever criticized as an organization. They're unbelievable. They haven't given him enough. I'd love to see a Debo Samuel type dude. I like your Amari Rodgers comparison, who's smaller than Debo, but can run the reverse. Lamar's going to have to go under center more. He's got to progress as a quarterback. He throws it fine. Like, all that crap is, is BS. It's the under the center stuff. It's the naked boots. It's, I think they have to take the training wheels off a little bit and not just be RPO out of the gun. But you got to have a guy that's quick off the line that can beat man, run those slants, a, a more of a running back body type receiver uh, that's very quick. I love that. But you had me at that. I was like, okay, I don't know where I'm going with this. Worst, this was worst case scenario for him. He's still going to be the same dude. If you give him some more stuff, he works his ass off. He could absolutely throw. They got to help him out. And if they do that, then he's absolutely a top three guy just because the running stats skew the numbers and fantasy so much. And I will end with this. The both of you use the words if, and I don't like those words. You want to know why? Because Josh Allen doesn't need an if. He has a Stephon Diggs. He is there. It's, there's no ifs. I don't have to go in wondering. I, I have already it seen it. That's, no, I've seen Josh have, Allen be a top five guy he's since John he's been Brown. in. He's got yeah, he's got better game. weapons. I don't have to go if. I know. I've seen it's already there. It's already in place. And I'm going to bet that we're probably not, no matter who it is, they're probably not going to be Stephon Dix. No matter who they get, they're probably not going to be Stephon Dix. So that's, that's where I go. I get what you guys are saying, but I, I, both of you said the word if. So I was like, oh, yeah. Did entry point for me to go, nope, it, that's an that's a if scenario. And I don't like ifs. I like what's in existence right now. What's in existence right now is a weapon that we love. And we've said it before. We've said for a couple of years, go draft somebody for Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay hasn't done it. That's another organization that has done a great job for a long time. I hope Baltimore does it for him, but there's no guarantees that they're going to go get him a better weapon this offseason. So that's, that's the one where I was like, all right, I'm going to wait and see what they say. And Chris behind the scenes was waiting for me and gave me the hype train. The that's my guy. Point, I got you, Paige. My Mark. only argument to that is if they don't help Lamar, Lamar just helps himself. That's what he did the rest of the season when Jamie saw him. He picked it up like – He's just like, he, you don't want to give me help? Screw it. I'll take okay. it. So I'll just do it. And they started playing like he did last year. He came out this year the first six weeks trying to be a different guy than he's been. And it didn't work. And then he was like, you know what? Screw it. We need to win games and make a playoff run. I'll be that dude. So I loved your point. But, like, he's the only guy in the league that can say Michael Vick style, I got this. For sure. Well, we need to win games. I don't care if it's ugly. Stop me. And he did that. That's, I'd, I'd love that. But you're exactly right. I mean, when – that offense of Buffalo is not going anywhere. No, it's and, not. And to your point, Paige, like if we were, if you were told right now, okay, we're we're embargoing everything. We're entering the twenty twenty one season with the exact same rosters that are there right now. Then yes, I would put Josh Allen at QB two and Lamar at QB three. But 
given the just the the wide range of free agents available at the wide receiver position, another strong wide receiver class, I would be surprised. Now, I know we said that last year and the Packers <laughs> didn't do it. And Aaron Rodgers actually had a better season than did the year prior. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I get that there's a, like you're projecting a little bit. It's razor thin for me. Uh, if Josh Allen is your choice there, I, I don't have a strong argument against Josh Allen. I mean, I, but I think to me, it's, we talk about where the QB argument stops. It's there. Like we, there, there is, there is no fourth option. There is no, there are top three. And I think it's very, very clear barring an injury who those top three are. If you want to debate the order, that's fine, but it's, it's Mahomes, some combination of Mahomes, Lamar and Josh Allen in fantasy. I don't think there's anybody else that we are discussing in that top three. No. And I think that will be interesting as we approach, um, to see who they who else tries to lump into tier one, right? Because I think it's a very it's definitive gonna be Kyler. tier one. People are going to yeah, put oh, yeah. Kyler Murray in that. I know that uh, he is my QB five. <sighs> I, I'm not. I, I again, this is we have to separate a little bit real life from fantasy. There are still some concerns I have with the real life quarterback play of Kyler Murray, particularly the second half of the year, which exposed a lot of warts for him and Cliff Kingsbury, which we've been trying to expose for a while there. Um, but he is going to run the ball a lot. He is going to have enough production. The offense is going to be good enough. Like he's going to be a strong, he can be what Josh Allen was prior to this year. Like he could still be somebody where even as the offense is growing, he could still be a top six quarterback, but I know he technically finished as the QB one in total points. And he's going to be the one that everybody talks about of like, he needs to be in that category. I just don't think he's there for me. I don't, I don't think I can trust it. I know where his ADP Neither, I was going to say, and ne- Coco agrees. She is very, Coco very was in much. on that one, yes. <laughs> they still got to have a secondary piece in Arizona is what I was going to say. They can't yeah. just yeah. be Kyler and DeAndre. He's got to progress as a passer massively. The offensive line's got to play better. By the way, we just talked about how good that division is. They're still going to be losing in the fourth quarter, which puts it back to he's the only other guy like Lamar that can say, it's on me. He's just not as dynamic as Lamar when it takes off running, trying to make plays at the end of a game. So I, I had him this year in a, in a league, and he was phenomenal. But that drop off at the end was when it mattered most and it killed. Yeah, you're uh, going to soft circle really, really paying attention to what that team does this offseason and, and how and what this team does entering because there's a lot of, obviously, from a fantasy lens, uh, Deshaun, like Hopkins and Kyler garner so much attention. And there's going mm-hmm. to be, so to me, there are a lot of, question marks as far and variables as far as how far I'm going to be able to move them up or down depending on what that second piece looks like depending on what that offensive line looks like depending on even defensively what they're going to be able to do and how that's going to set up for the offense and deciding to trust Cliff Kingsbury which I am getting further and further away from the I would say the entry point which was starting off with no trust Right. So now I'm just getting further and further towards the point where I'm like, yeah, he's going to lose you games. Cause I saw it this, this past season. Go ahead, James. Well, I want to get your guys' thoughts on just QBs in general. Cause here, here's kind of where I settled in for my top eight. And then I kind of have another like handful of guys afterwards. So I want to get, you know, open this up to the room and even Chris too, you, you could talk on the show today, I guess. Uh, so I have Mahomes at QB one, which we discussed on a previous show. We just talked about Lamar QB two with Josh Allen at QB three. Uh, I'm assuming a trade at this point, and I have Deshaun Watson at QB4. Uh, I think him going to Miami, them adding a Jamar Chase, a Jalen Waddle, maybe another free agent alongside, uh, to Devontae Parker and Jacecki, and like him having a really strong group of weapons there. Or even in New York, where I love Denzel Mims. We'll see if they bring back Crowder. They can bring in another receiver. Uh, Kyler at five. Aaron Rodgers at six for me. Um, I, I know a lot of people are going to fade him in drafts this year, uh, even despite the season he had. I'm not willing to do that. 
Dak at QB7, uh, I would have him higher if I trusted the health, but I got to see what's going on with that ankle before I could push him any higher than QB7. Jalen Hurts at QB8. Again, I'm also assuming Carson Wentz gets dealt. And then in this like 9 to 12 range to kind of end QB1 territory, there's like this mix of like Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson was going to get overdrafted already. I think you even bring Trevor Lawrence in that discussion toward the back part. Uh, what do you guys think about it? Do any of those stand out to you? And where do you kind of stand on, like, to me, this is another year in single quarterback leagues, like Herbert nine, Brady 10, Wilson yeah, 11. That's the, that's why, the, that's the standout to up? me. Yeah. Why, why am I going to pay up when I can get Justin Herbert at nine? Right. Or I can get Tom Brady. That's uh, the one, at, babe. Like, and I'm not like, being, I'm not being Homer dude here. Justin Herbert's going into a second year with a brand new head coach, a brand new offensive, everything's going to be different, right? Tom Brady's going into a second year with B.A. and Byron, and he just had the best year anybody's ever had in year one. We've seen the progression in year two of every quarterback that's ever played in the system, and none of them ever had these weapons. I think they're going to run it a ton, but don't be – I mean, anybody think Tom's not throwing for 4,300? And I think probably five or six more touchdowns, so mid, mid to upper 30s? For sure, for sure. The one thing with Tom that we talk about is he, had, he gives you no rushing. He gives you none, zero. So that factors in because Justin Herbert will run in. We've seen it. He saw, you saw him take, I mean, he's almost like to a point where you're like, dude, you got a, a little less Josh Allen where you're lowering your shoulder and you're going into the end zone. And that's, we need to protect that. But he, he can at least give you that. Obviously, Tom, from a traditional, if the rushing aspect wasn't such a big skew, Tom would be a top five. I, just, I think this offense, if there's any semblance of an offseason, and I mean, the players come in after the draft in May. Like, if you have any OTAs where they can re- – I think they could average 38 points a game. I think this offense could oh, break yeah. greatest show on turf type records. That's a 40-plus touchdown year. So, I'm thinking the, the touchdown progression for Tom, even though he's really good this year, and broke the, the Bucks franchise record. I just think maybe while the, the rushing numbers might go up and the yardage might come down a little bit, I think the touchdowns in the red zone – for Tom could be, could be huge next year. I mean, I'm just talking about value wise. If he's going to be QB 10, I'm fine with taking Herbert over him. I just think if you're going to take him that late in the draft, that's as safe as you're going to get for the upside that it could end up being. Yeah. One of those guys will be my quarterback. Like I, I just, I'm not like, I understand where Mahomes fell to me this year in a position where I like that, that, that in the snake draft, you're going back to back, but it, even Mahomes this year, like he was great, but he wasn't, great enough that it justified having him honestly at that spot it didn't and i it, it's as as good as he was he was not mvp mahomes season where he was putting up 35 to 40 fantasy points every week and i don't know that we're i don't know that we're going to get that on a consistent basis so i as much as i can't knock mahomes and i know he's going to have a fantastic season i think I'm just going to default to, I don't care. Even if it falls to me, I'm not doing it. I'm just waiting on a quarterback because those guys as the nine, 10, and we didn't even mention Russell Wilson. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll wait and get one of those guys. I think the biggest thing there, sorry, James is lowest or highest floor, right? Yeah. I, I love the upside on quarterbacks, but if I know that I'm getting like minimum 18 yeah. points, a chance to get 30, I'm good. I don't need the like the spikes at my quarterback position. If you if you make that roster that well rounded, especially we're talking about getting them late. If I know my floor is 18 or 20, but like that's some of those other guys, they Aaron Rodgers can be a 14, 15 guy, depending on who they're mm-hmm. playing. Yeah. Or they only throw it 20 times a game. Um, 
he doesn't have the freedom in that offense that, that some of these other guys have. So I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm that value. I want my high floor. Well, and yep. this goes back to if you're playing in a single quarterback league, 10, 10 teams, 12 teams, 14 teams, like some names we haven't even mentioned yet. Matthew Stafford, who's just cool. got an upgrade in the offense he's yeah, running yes, to. Please. Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> who has been a fantasy star since he's taken over as the starter week seven last or two seasons ago. Like we, we, there are a lot. I mean, that's now if you Jared want to Goff include Detroit, the different show. My bad. My bad. Yeah, I had the even, wrong note in front of me. But again, include. Well, let's say we include Trevor Lawrence. He's going to have plenty of weapons, and they're going to be losing plenty of games and airing it out. I mean, now that's now fourteen. We haven't even discussed Joe Burrow coming back and what he's going to look like. He was a top ten fantasy quarterback at times last year before he got hurt. Like we're we're starting to talk about that's we're now 15, 16 names deep at the quarterback position. Now, if you're in a two QB league, like we always said, these values change considerably. But in a single quarterback league, I mean, look, there's one thing I can't I can't guarantee we're gonna know who finishes as the QB one. But what I can guarantee based on history is whoever you draft as the QB one probably won't be. Like I can't make an argument that I can't to not take Mahomes as QB one. I don't think there's one. But historically, it tells us that. You know, the reality is when you're taking a QB1, you should be drafting for the highest floor because you know there's not, you're not going to get a repeat year to year. It almost never happens. So I'm going to wait. And if I want to do an upside play, I, I really think, it, it, and we have to see how the injury plays out, but Dak has QB1 upside. Oh, 100%. If he's healthy in that offense, again, if he is healthy, which is a tremendous if, it's the biggest if we've said on the show because there's all these reports coming out of Dallas. But if he is healthy and able to play – 16 games, he has just as good a chance as almost anybody to be QB1. He has more risk than Mahomes. He has more risk than Lamar. He has more risk than Josh Allen, but he could be that depending on where you get him in drafts. So if you're going to say, I have to spend a third round pick to get Mahomes or Lamar or Josh Allen, and I can get Dak in the sixth or seventh round, their upsides aren't that far apart. The floors are different. That's why there's value there. But if you take Dak and Tom or Dak and Ryan Tannehill or Dak and Matthew Stafford, and say like, okay, well, if I'm wrong on this or there's a problem, like I have, I, like, this is where that strategy comes in, and we're, why we talk about. It. I know there's there's always this movement to not take two quarterbacks in a single quarterback league and not use a bench spot. I think you absolutely should if you're not now, not if you have Mahomes or Lamar or Josh Allen, but if you're going to take one of these late round guys, mix and match and interchange them. Take a Herbert and a Brady. Take a, a Lawrence and a Russell Wilson. You know. I don't have an issue with that. Those guys are going to be a key starting player for you. And most weeks will be one of your top two or three, if not number one, highest scoring player on your roster. You got to get that right on a weekly basis. It's also the number one way to get a trade done. Like it's without fail. If you end up having good guys and it, and it pans out because with, there's going to be somebody who needs a quarterback. There always is. That's the number one way you're able to facilitate that is if you take two guys, if you wait on a quarterback and you get two of those guys that are from the, the midway point to the end of the midway point, right, in that 10 to 20 range, you get two guys in that range and you hit on one or both of those guys. You have that ability to go, hey, all right, I got Dak who's QB5. I can trade him and I'm okay with – this guy because my running back went down right it's the easiest way to be able to facilitate that if you're if you're able to hit on that I will not this was the one year I went off my strategy and I took my homes because he fell to me I'm not doing it again I just shout it's, out it's, Sue Ann right well, yeah you all in on Mar and Deshaun and she couldn't move Deshaun early and then yeah. Deshaun got hot after like week five or six and she was like boom she got a ton and ran it all That's the way exactly to the right also That's but exactly to be fair Paige your team would have looked a whole lot different if McCaffrey didn't get hurt 
Like 100%. I, I think it's a whole different story, and you might have liked that little McCaffrey Mahomes stack oh, there with two I'm, of your first I'm, three round picks. I'm quite sure that I would have, but I I will guarantee that I will not be drafting number one overall because the curse will have to continue because I've gone back to back gonna, years. You said you're going to change it. I have to. I cannot. I can't. I can't, I refuse. I can't do that to, I can't in good faith do that to another player. Okay. We have seen how much power, okay. The Greek evil eye has, okay. It's semi-responsible, if not fully responsible for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning a Super Bowl. So I cannot be responsible with my Greek voodoo magic to, to take down another player. Okay. I don't, I don't want it, but every it's happened two years in a row. Saquon, Saquon and now Christian. Christian. Yeah. I can't do this to these guys. So I gotta, I gotta make sure I'm not in that number one overall spot ever, ever again. Cause that cannot way, happen. I'm going to throw this out in the universe now. So we can be one of the first shows to throw. No. Oh, here, yes. Let's go. Oh, Jones Jr. Is a free agent. I don't think there's any way in hell he plays for anybody other than Matt Stafford. And you throw him on that offense. I don't care who they lose. Where they lose Reynolds, they lose Van Jefferson, who I love. Uh, but with Akers, they need that deep threat. And I love Cooper Cup, run after the, you know, run after the catch. Robert Woods is, does everything for them. They got to have a dude to go down the field for Matt Stafford. That's his guy. I don't think it's going to cost him a ton. But you throw him in that offense, Yeah. as much as they're going to run it, be able to play action, they got to be able to go deep. I love Stafford, like especially late in a draft. I, you might have to go somebody early because there's still a little risk there, I guess. But – are you kidding? Uh, I love Stafford. Years, yeah, no, I, I'm all in. I'm all like Stafford, all gas, no breaks. This is like he's that offensive line that well, he he's yeah, for sure. It'll be a much different version of Stafford. I think because you're not looking at the, I'm constantly ducking because there's people coming through that offensive line. Right. That's, that's also going to look a lot different for Matthew Stafford for the first time ever. Uh, okay. I want to end with this. I'm, I'm, I'm punting on the tight end discussion. We'll get into that at a later time. We're going to end with Q&A slash critique of Jamie, right? So because Chris hasn't been able to enter the chat first, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give my guy Chris the ability, producer behind the scenes, to come out hot on this and start and kick things off, a critique or a question for Jamie on his way too early fantasy mock. Uh, this is a two-parter. Rating. This is a two-parter, Jamie. Oh, Chris yeah, is. there we go. To, to just take full advantage. Give an <laughs> inch, take a mile. Okay, Chris. <laughs> to piggyback off of the quarterback conversation, I think Jalen Hurts at QB8 is a little strong on your part uh, because of all the guys that we mentioned. Uh, I get it. I understand the, 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 what he showed over the last four games. I just think it's a, too small of a sample size, but you kind of explained that, but I just didn't want to mention it. Um, I have a question for you. Michael mm-hmm. Carter over Javonta Williams. You, you split the two North Carolina running backs. I think in the opposite way, we've seen them in the draft circle. They go the opposite way. Javante Williams goes first, then Michael Carter goes second. You flip them here in the draft. Do you like Carter more than Williams as a year one impact guy? I, I think for fantasy, yes. Um, but I also, to me, this is going to be so much about where they land. And, and that, that's going to be, that's the thing I can't quantify right now. Uh, we have the teams where we believe they would land. Um, I, I just think that he has a better chance to play a significant passing down role in year one. Um, and if he gets, again, depending on where he lands, if Carter is given that opportunity, then I think that's where you start to look for. Cause this, this is all PPR oriented. You start to look for a higher floor upside there right now. I can't pound the table for, for Carter over Javante Williams or even Kenneth Gainwell. Cause what happens if, if Kenneth Gainwell goes to Tampa and be, and Leonard Fournette doesn't come back for whatever reason. And he's on the field for a lot of third downs for Tom Brady. That changes the fact. That changes it a little bit. 
Uh, what if one of these teams resign a player? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if, if, you know, if Michael Carter goes to Arizona, does – I mean, who's playing third down him or Chase Edmonds? I still think it's probably Chase Edmonds. So, it, it's going to – landing spot's going to matter a bunch, but it just in this vacuum that I am kind of looking at all the rookies in right now, I think the better chance to get on the field for third downs and get you some of those three, four-catch games, I think it's Michael Carter for right now. Can I just say that I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the fact that Jamie, for the second year in a row, now that he's full-time over here at the Draft Network, is going to piss off all the draft people, okay? Because they all fall in love with fantasy rookies. And Jamie comes in with the projections and is like, everything you think you know is wrong, and here's why. And I hate to tell you, drafties, but uh, Jamie was right on a lot of this Jamie's stuff. Jamie's here's why is the best in the business. They yeah. Give you this book of analytics that tell you why rookies don't do shit, and here's why. Yeah, because uh, everybody wants their rookie to come out and be – a wide receiver one, a running back one, a QB one, a tight end one. And everybody thinks all the rookie class can do that. Right. And, and there's, there's a lot of, the, we want to talk about the hype train. Yeah. The hype train is ridiculous when it comes to all these guys. So I'm very much looking forward to when these guys do fall, uh, how, how, who everybody falls in love with that we go the opposite way of, cause there's going to be at least one, probably more of those guys, uh, when it comes to the draft community. So looking forward to that. And it's literally, it's going to all depend on landing spot too. Like for example, let, let, let's say Najee Harris goes to Miami and Travis Etienne goes to Atlanta. I think in terms of fantasy production for year one, Atlanta is a better landing spot. I'm not talking about NFL long-term, but for, in terms of being able to play a three down role, I don't think Miami's pulling Miles Gaskin off the field on third downs. I think they really like him in that role. They've asked him to do more last year because they didn't have that consistent option on early downs. But they really would like him as the third down, change of pace, receiving back, can pass block, can do, do a lot of those things well. I don't think they're pulling him off the field for a rookie, especially in the first eight or nine weeks of the season, even if it's Najee Harris. So that goes into the question of where Harris might be the first running back off the board in the real-life draft, but maybe shouldn't be the first running back off the board in the fantasy draft. So all of these things are going to be are going to be factors in here, and the same thing with like Carter versus Williams. Like now that there's a lot of momentum that Williams is going to be the third running back off the board, I don't think we know, and I and even more so than usual, because it's going to depend on fit. And a big reason why I know I, I, I didn't say this for for the draft network last year was at Sports Illustrated, but a big reason why I was like eyeing Clyde Edwards-Helaire as a first rounder, and he ended up going to Kansas City was because that fit made sense. And they didn't technically use him as the way I thought they would this year, but that route running, pass catching running back to be, be a complimentary piece for a team that's already a Super Bowl contender is what made him a fit there. And we could see these things change as we get into the second round or, or where, because I don't think Carter or any of these guys, I don't think anybody's going the first round that's not ETN or Harrison. It may not even be both of those guys. So, but as I look at the running backs coming in, there are going to be some really interesting names. Like we, had, we brought about Kenneth Gainwell, which could be a really, really interesting one, uh, depending on where he lands. I mean, there's just so many pieces here, and you're going to have to kind of factor in where are they going to play, what situations are they coming into, and as we preached so much last off, last off season that it came into play, when will you truly start to get starting caliber production from them? If you remember the entire preseason leading up, we talked about what, here's when Swift will start to be valued for you. Here's when Jonathan Taylor will start to Antonio be valued. Gibson. Maybe, and don't, yeah, I mean, it's going to – some of these guys might have some role early on, but they might not have their full role till midseason, particularly with other backs being there. So 
we'll have to wait and see. But that was for Chris. So to your point, right now, I think he has a better chance to play on third down somewhere, particularly if he's going to go to, you know, a Pittsburgh or a Buffalo, he might have an opportunity to be on the field in those downs more so than I think some of the other guys will that are still remaining on the board, at least where we are right now. Chris, you got anything else over there? I'm going to give the opportunity over to Jake here. I yield back the remainder of my time. That's thank you very much. All right, Jake, what do you got? First of all, that might've been the most draft network question of all time. And you can tell that our boy Shubes is over with the draft dudes. Like we sure can deep <laughs> to what's going on. I'm still celebrating this. I haven't yep. gotten, I haven't gotten into my off season analysis yet. Uh, all right, here's my dude that benefits the most, depending on how free agency goes. It's Deshaun Watson going to Miami's Devontae Parker. I think Devontae <laughs> Parker goes back to being a freaking superstar, especially if they add Waddle, one of these guys with Deshaun Watson. Other than Devontae Parker, who do you think benefits the most? And who do you think gets killed? With, and I'm not even going to say free agent. I'm just going to say all this potential movement of this offseason. Do you have any guys that you're like, if this happens, wow, I love it. And if this happens, he's dead. It's a great question. I, I think the, the, the thing that I'm concerned about, I would say, would be uh, I'm concerned about Kenny Galladay's landing spot. Because I don't like with Allen Robinson, we have seen a significant workload from him from a lot of different quarterbacks, none of them good, and had, had a sustained amount of success. Where I, I Kenny Galladay is a tremendous talent, but we know he's not playing with Stafford next year. He's not going to play for the Los Angeles Rams, so he is playing for a different quarterback next year. Depending on where he lands, this is a player that has been a bona fide wide receiver one in terms of fantasy production since the last few years now, and even the brief time he played through injuries this year gave you wide receiver one value week in and week out. Depending on where he winds up, if he doesn't end up, let's say, in like a Miami with a Deshaun Watson, for example, or end up somewhere there, or if he ends up back in Detroit on a franchise tag, or, or as they try to try tag and maybe trade him at the deadline or trade him at a different point, I, I don't like where – I think you have to knock him way down. Um, I think the other one that you have to be concerned about at least a little bit is – I have some concerns about TJ Hawkinson. He really started to have a strong connection with Matthew Stafford. That's not going to be there anymore. I, you know, Jared Goff has at times leaned on tight ends, but at times he hasn't. I don't really, I, I don't really know what I'm going to get from Jared Goff away from Sean McVay. Cause we only have one year of seeing what that is. It was his rookie year. It was a disaster and it was Jeff Fisher. So there's too many variables there to know there's too much blame to go around in that one spot. Too many things to explain away. I don't know what I'm going to get from him this year. So that concerns me a little bit of a guy that was a bona fide top five tight end, somebody that was going to be in that conversation with at least Mark Andrews of like, who should be your tight end for coming into the year. He has that concern for me. Um, Parker was a big one on the positive side. Uh, I really liked the opportunity for him um, to go there. To me, I'm trying to think of like, what would be another player? I think, honestly, I think maybe even like a Denzel Mims could be somebody that could come out of nowhere to be a real stud if they make a significant upgrade at the quarterback position by getting a guy like Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of other names for some off-season movement. I mean, to, any of the 49ers guys, like I, I think Brandon Ayuk had still had an unbelievably quiet rookie year in terms of the way people acted. He had a sensational rookie season. I know it wasn't Justin Jefferson because nobody was Justin Jefferson, but he had a damn good season that I think nobody is paying attention to. And he had success with or without Debo Samuel in the lineup. Uh, so I think him getting any sort of an upgrade at the quarterback position, particularly somebody that can go down the field as well, so they can use him as a vertical and horizontal field stretcher like they were, uh, I think he could have an excellent season as well. So those are guys I'm kind of 
keeping a pretty close eye on uh, in terms of like their value could swing considerably. And it's not like they're their free agents themselves. Um, other guys I'm looking at, let's just to end this, let's talk about some wide receiver, rookie wide receivers for a second. There's going to be, and I don't know if it's out there yet. So I don't know. I don't know if Chris, you guys talked about draft dudes, but uh, there's going to be a new wide receiver one for TDN very soon. And it's not the person that's been this whole time. So I don't let's know if it's out there yet, but there's, there's a little sneak peek to that. <laughs> so there's going to be a conversation about landing spots. And to me, I'm not so sure because there's a good chance that the first two receivers off the board or one of the first two receivers off the board are going to go to Philadelphia and Detroit. And you have to kind of sit back and go, do I want, again, you're thinking for a rookie season. I'm not talking dynasty yet, but we're thinking for just a redraft rookie season. Do I want a Jalen Waddle or Jamar Chase from get catching passes from Jalen Hurts or Jared Goff is potentially like the clear only option in that offense? Or do I want to wait a little bit and do I want to see, do I like a Rashad Bateman or a Rondell Moore or a Terrence Marshall that are going to, you know, maybe they're going to be Lamar Jackson's top target. Maybe they're going to replace Sammy Watkins in Kansas city. Maybe they're going to go to, you know, you start to look at some of these pieces and go, maybe I like where, maybe they go to be the number two in green Bay. You know, you start to look at some of those options and go, I know they might not have the upside of a pure football NFL non-fantasy lens that the, the chases and the waddles and the Devonta Smiths have of the world, but they're in really good situations and they're damn talented too. You might want to move some of those guys up. So I know in this draft here in round seven, I have Jamar Chase as my first receiver off the board here. I don't know if that's going to be the case by the time we actually get through the draft because I'm, I'm not guessing sure. it won't be. I'm guessing it won't be, James. Just based off of everything you just said, I'm guessing that you, when we get to this point, and we will revisit this, this is why I love that we have this mock out right now, because then we can go back and we can look at it and we can go, okay, the logic behind Jamar Chase at this point made sense. Now that you know this is where he slotted out and this is where some of these other guys, because in your, as you're walking through it, I'm going, okay, Green Bay, the second overall spot, you'd assume that they actually might draft somebody to help out Aaron Rodgers this year. Uh, some of these other positions you, you mentioned in Kansas City, all of a sudden, whoever gets slotted there becomes exceptionally interesting to all of us with Patrick Mahomes throwing the football. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot that can happen. There's a lot. Listen, the wide receiver position has so much depth. And it has continued. It happened this year. It's going to happen again this next year. I know everybody's excited about the top couple of guys, but there are a lot of guys that are going to go past that point that are going to play a big part for their football team and a big part for your fantasy football team. Yeah. And look, I mean, some of the names, like I'm just going back to Kyle's latest mock draft uh, that the three rounds to kind of look at some guys, but he has like Terrence Marshall going to Kansas city at 31. He's got uh, Kadarius Tony going at 33 to Jacksonville at the top of the second round. Uh, you know, you start to look at some of these other guys there, uh, you know, uh, you know, a two, two, I, I don't know if I'm going to love Tutu Atwell. I mean, he has Tutu Atwell going to the Saints, but, uh, you know, Rondale Moore going to Chicago to replace, excuse me, to replace Allen Robinson. I mean, you start to look at some of these situations and you go, you know, in terms of volume, you know, you start to look at target potential, target volume, quarterback situations, offensive situations. Like, I, I think I did a, in the takes on takes for draft dudes. I know Chris didn't use it because he's a hater. But I said, I think that the strongest rookie fantasy season from a wide receiver does not come from a player that gets drafted in the top 20 this year. Uh, and I think that's kind of where I am leaning right now. From a rookie season only, I'm not saying career projection. Rookie season only, I would bet the top wide receiver season from a rookie comes from outside of the top 20 picks uh, in the NFL draft. Hey, the one I, that I love there that, that Kyle has slide, Canarius Tony to Jacksonville. With, if you go back and watch Trevor Lawrence, how fast the ball comes out of his hand, getting guys in space, 
when you take a healthy LaVisca Chenault who really came on last year that kind of plays that same Debo Samuel type role with DJ Chark or some of the other guys they have, getting him in space with the ball quick with a guy as smart as Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to figure out what you're in, even though as a rookie, and get him in space in the second round. I love that one. I mean, that with James Robinson, that entire offense could be young and talented as all get out. What the hell that offense is going to look like? I love the fact that Brian Schottenheimer is the pass game coordinator there. They got Daryl Bevel. It's funny, those guys like succeeded each other in, in Seattle, and, and now yeah. they're, they're like collaborating on what they did. But I think that's going to be a great thing that they knew that offense together, that they can, they can kind of meld this thing together, that you're not going to get Urban Meyer's Ohio State offense, which we now know from the quarterback position doesn't work in the NFL. I, I love that one. I think that could be really good, getting him in space and another guy that you can do a lot of different stuff with, whether reverses, RPOs, put him in the backfield, do a bunch of different stuff. And you have Chenault that already kind of does the same thing. It's a lot like San Francisco with Ayuk and Debo Samuel. The Jaguars are going to be a fascinating fantasy team because we've already talked about how much I love James Robinson and I like it even more than on the Bevels there. But you look at you know, offense, it's got DJ Chark to take the top off. You've got LaVisca Chenault that's a little bit of a do-everything. Do they bring in uh, a Kadarius Tooney? Do they bring in – I mean, do they bring in Curtis Samuel? Uh, I mean, there's somebody that has a, a rapport with Urban Meyer and, and use him in, in a role. Like, that offense could be really, really interesting next year. I don't think they're going to be a good team next year. It's going to take some time. But uh, from a fantasy perspective, it, it's fascinating to me. And why Lawrence, again, going back to the QB conversation, needs to be discussed when we talk about the bottom part of QB1 range. Because as I kept saying before, when this, was, this goes back to the Jameis Winston conversation from a couple of years ago, where, you know, why buy, why, if you like all the frosting, why just buy the cake. If you like this player, you like, you know, if you think Evans is going to have a good year, you think Godwin's going to have a good year, if you think at the time O.J. Howard's going to have a good year, think all these players are going to have a good year, well, who's getting them the ball? They're probably going to have a good year too. And that same thing happens here with Jacksonville where if you think Chark bounces back and you've got Chanel and they bring in a rookie, and they, well, you know what? Trevor Lawrence is going to have to have some level of pretty decent production if all those guys are going to eat. Yeah, well, uh, we'll see. There's there's going to be a lot to break down in Jacksonville. We'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. I don't know. I don't know that I love the Urban Meyer hire uh, long term in, in the NFL. That's a that's a two that's a to be determined no. as, as how that goes. That's why I with the two guys he hired to run that offense it's, for him. Yeah, it's a very very important part of that. All right. Uh, since we have gone longer than expected, I am going to wrap the show. Um, and I'm going to put the question that I had out for Jamie on TDN Fantasy's Twitter account. So instead of asking it here, I'm going to put it out to, to the audience because I think it's going to be a very polarizing one because it involves a superstar wide receiver in the NFL who nearly always gets overdrafted, especially over the last few years, and what people think about him um, and his upside uh, going into this next year. Uh, I will not confirm nor deny Jamie behind the scenes. So you're going to have to wait and see what happens on the TDN Fantasy Twitter account. That's a tease for all of you uh, behind the scenes to learn about in the business. Final thoughts very quickly to wrap. Jake, I will let you go first. Just your reminder that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the Super Bowl champions. So anybody that wanted to talk <laughs> shit all year can kiss my ass one more time. Oh, God, that's never going to get old. Jamie, <laughs> your final thoughts. Well, just a reminder that you can see all seven rounds of this fantasy mock by going to the draftnetwork.com and clicking on the fantasy tab. We will have plenty of more mock action as we get deeper into the off season, but this will be a fun one to kind of look back on and see how our opinions change and why they've changed. Now, I'm going to task Chris with that too, as we start to do mock drafts later in the year to keep me honest, why did I make this change? Why is this player going up or down? Uh, and we're really excited for that. And we're going to have so much free agency content, uh, dynasty content coming up, and then even our fantasy awards show later this week. So we have a lot of great stuff coming up. So stay tuned. 
Yeah, that was my final thoughts that Jamie stole from me. Uh, be sure to check out our fantasy awards that we're going to be doing live on Twitter. So you're going to be able to join us, uh, participate in that conversation or also be up on YouTube. Um, we've got some good ones. There were, there were quite a few, obviously, uh, fantastic surprises that happened this year in the NFL, some great fantasy rookie performances this year that we're going to have to break down. And at the end of the day, we're going to have to choose. You're going to have to put us on the spot and Chris will keep us honest as he always does. Uh, please make sure you follow everybody on the show. I'm going to start making everybody go to the bio description of the podcast so you can see how to follow everybody instead of ending it uh, on the show here for listening. So you're going to have to go to the bio, check it out. It's got all of our all of our different social media handles. The only person I'm going to give a shout out to is Chris. You got to follow Chris at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio on Twitter. Be sure to follow him. Leave us a description and let us know what you want to hear about this offseason as it pertains to fantasy. We'd love to hear from you guys at TDN Fantasy on Twitter. Have a good week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.